0: Hello and welcome to the Performance Audit Report. I'm Yusuf Muller. I'm Connor McGarity. Today we're going to talk about alternate forms of assurance and reporting, alternate to typical performance audit reasonable assurance engagements. How this came about is we've been seeing over the last few years a lot of different types of audit reports, informational reports, etc., that are produced either by performance auditors or that are closely related to performance audit work. And so we thought we'd lay these out in different categories. They may or may not relate to work that you're already doing as a performance auditor, but it's really interesting to see all the different ways in which performance auditors are delivering value through other types of assurance than reasonable assurance. There's 15 categories of such assurance slash reporting that we've identified. And we're going to go through each one of those today. There will be a blog article that accompanies this podcast episode that has everything we're talking about plus examples for each of the categories if anybody's interested in looking at those examples. We're not going to read out the list of 15 because 15 is a lot. (laughs) So hopefully you can stay with us to the end. Uh, Again, these categories, the examples, then definitely not an exhaustive list. Sometimes these alternate forms can be faster and cheaper than full audits, reasonable assurance audits, without necessarily diminishing the intended impact. And we'll see examples of those as we get into it. And in fact, what we've seen is that sometimes when there's time pressure surrounding a particular matter, it can be both faster to produce and could arguably produce better impact by being more timely than full audits that we know traditionally take a little bit longer to do. All right, do you want to kick us off with the first one, Connor?
1: Yeah, so we've got to talk through many and varied forms of these types of auditslash reviews. But let's kick off with number one, which is typically a limited assurance review. And what we're talking about here is where we're gathering less evidence, perhaps, than a reasonable assurance or full performance audit. But this is where we decide upfront, even before planning, that the review we're undertaking will be limited assurance. Now, most audit standards make provision for this. Sometimes in certain jurisdictions, they're called reviews. Some offices have been doing this type of work, so a little ratchet back from performance audits. They've been doing this for a while. But what we're seeing is other audit offices are starting to do perhaps more and more of these limited assurance type audits. A recent example of this is Western Australia's COVID-19 vaccine rollout, which was published in November 2021, Okay, the second category
0: is related to that. So again, limited assurance, but this is limited assurance that's decided during the audit. So maybe at the end of planning, sometime during the planning, may even be at the beginning of field work. So, you know, the same sort of thing, still is a limited assurance report. But this happens where an audit is planned or there's an expectation up front that reasonable assurance is going to be followed. But in the initial audit work, it becomes clear that there isn't a need for a full audit. So once the preliminary work and some of the initial conclusions are, are summarized, the Auditor General decides not to proceed with the audit. An example of this is, or well, there's two examples that we have here, but one example of those is the preliminary survey summary of the fruit and vegetable inspection program that the State of Michigan Office of the Auditor General produced in September 2022, where in the audit, the Auditor General says that they decided not to proceed with the reasonable assurance review Another example of that was published in December 21 by the Victorian Auditor General's Office in Australia, and this was about Council Waste Management Services. In this case, what was really interesting was that there were actually no recommendations, which would be indicative of the, the sort of audit where you would stop at the beginning because you it becomes quite clear that there aren't going to be any
1: recommendations. Okay, number three in our hit list is those audit offices that receive responses to audit requests. And I'm sure you're all regular recipients of those types of requests and all be familiar with that. They're typically submitted to the audit office by members of the relevant legislature. And some of these requests actually end up in audits being conducted. Not all of them, but in a, in a fair proportion of the time. In other cases, the audit office might choose to respond by conducting inquiries and a limited set of procedures, maybe even through its financial statement audit activity or through other Inquiries. An example of a fast response to an audit request that was received by a national audit office was where a member of the parliament in New Zealand made an audit request to the New Zealand controller and auditor general. And there's a related short report, I guess you'd call it, which is cost of living payment published in August 2022. That's an example of where there was a request for an audit to be conducted and a very quick response from that Auditor General in relation to that request. Interestingly, when you say fast response, to put it into
0: perspective, I think the initial letter went out on like the 3rd of August and the response was produced on the 29th of August, so all within the same month. We don't often see such a fast response, but clearly through the work done by the New Zealand Controller and Auditor General, it's possible to do. The fourth category special requests, including investigations. Uh, this is well known by auditors. they quite common. Sometimes they're conducted by performance auditors. Sometimes there's like a dedicated team that would do that uh, that's separate to performance audit. Most of these will focus on fraud or some sort of misappropriation of funds or non-compliance type matter. Not all of them, but a lot of them that we see are like that. One of the more typical examples that we see is an audit done by the Indiana State Board of Accounts. This was published in January 2020. It won an award in the Forensic Report category at the NSAA Awards in 2021. And this is about the Virtual School and Virtual Pathways Academy uh, in Indiana that went through an investigation.
1: Okay, number five on our list. Information reports prepared by performance auditors or performance audit teams. Now, there are many different types of reports that are produced to convey information. They might provide information related to a specific area of interest or could be a type of report that does not provide assurance but simply sets out facts and such. An example of this is the information brief prepared by Louisiana Legislative Auditor in the US titled Louisiana Watershed Initiative, published in August 2022. Another good example is information brief in September 2020 by Queensland Audit Office in Australia, and that was in relation to awarding of sports grants.
0: The next category is very familiar to all of us, and this is about recommendations, so tracking recommendations or recommendations trackers. Now, we won't talk about follow-up audits because those can take many forms, including limited assurance, which we've covered earlier, or some of them could even be reasonable assurance follow-ups that are done. But recommendations trackers specifically are about how publicly available information is made about the status of recommendations from past audits altogether. So this is not about following up a particular audit. This is about where all recommendations that the audit office has made, perhaps performance audit recommendations, sometimes they will bring together performance audit and other types of audit recommendations. They build on the time and resources already spent as performance auditors and the intention often is to hold auditees to account uh, and provide information to various stakeholders, including the public. So a couple of examples that we've seen of this are interactive dashboards produced by cities in California and the United States. So San Diego Office of the City Auditor has something called their recommendation follow-up dashboard and then the San Jose City Auditor has an interactive dashboard called the status
1: of audit recommendations. Okay, next example, and one of my favorites, I have to say, Yusuf, is forward work plans. Now, all audit offices will have some sort of forward work plan, but not all audit offices make these publicly available. By making them publicly available, you're actually helping the public understand what audits the audit offices are doing or what's on the horizon. But perhaps even more importantly, Quite often they give you some sort of insight into how the auditor has arrived at their decision to pick these particular topics and what their method or what their system was for just prioritizing what's important to the auditor and why they're picking them to do at a certain time.
0: Yeah, I guess the other benefit that you have of producing your forward work plan is that if somebody in the public is looking to recommend an audit in the future that they don't see. So if they've seen something or they know something or they've heard something or they've crunched some data, which happens often, and you know, there's a, an interested party that wants to say, I see your forward work plan and I raise you X audit. That makes that possible because then, then they know that that isn't
1: necessarily something you're looking at. So it can be a magnet almost for input into your program and what's important. That's right. Not just to the office, but to the
0: citizenry. And the next few categories are around resources, but we have split them up because we do see them as reasonably different to each other. First of those is category number eight, resources for local government. So... There are a range of state auditors that produce and publish resources that are specifically aimed at helping local government improve governance, control compliance, etc., and better serve the public. One example of this is the Center for Government Innovation at the Office of the Washington State Auditor in the U.S. This used to be called the Local Government Performance Center and won an award in 2014 in the special project category. We spoke about this in episode one with Scott Frank. What happened was that they decided that it made sense, because they couldn't get out to all of their local government entities, it made sense to have resources that could help improve local government service delivery across their state. And so they created the center, and there are plenty of resources that local government officers within the state of Washington are encouraged to use in order to improve the way in which they deliver services.
1: And Yusuf, just moving on from local government specific resources, that takes us to number nine, which are better practice guides in general that are developed by audit offices. So many audit offices these days produce better practice guides and they cover a range of topics. They're generally developed to help line agencies or government departments understand what they need to focus on in terms of particular services or activities or even the controls and governance they put around those services a lot of the time they're developed as a byproduct of a particular audit or as a result of, for example, a thematic review of issues that may be recurring within a sector and an audit office may decide it's a good investment of our time and resources to develop some guidance or a framework to assist these entities improve in this way. So an example of that that you may have seen in several instances is... Audit offices have developed guides for boards and the conduct of government boards and their activity and the governance thereof. Again, staying with the theme of guides,
0: one of the other things that we see, and most audit offices have these in some form, they may be publicly available. Sometimes they're just directly shared with government departments or government agencies within that jurisdiction. Um, And in some other cases, like I said, they'll be publicly available and you can see them on audit office websites. So these are audit guides that provide information about the audit process. The audience for these would be the potential auditee. uh, And this doesn't talk about standards and things like that. It's mostly about how an auditee can prepare for an audit, what to expect in an audit, what the different stages are, how to deal with recommendations and some tips for helping to ensure a successful audit. And the intention here is to you know, make the audit process smoother, but also to make auditees a bit more comfortable that they know what to expect more broadly in preparation for an audit. One example of this was produced by the Division of State Audit of the Tennessee Comptroller of the Treasury in the United States. And it's called the Guide to State Audits. This won an award, NSA award in 2015 in the Special Project category. This particular example is quite brief, and we know that auditees like brief documents that they can read quickly without having to spend hours and hours. It's somewhere between four and six
1: pages. So it takes us to number 11, and that's blog articles that are produced by auditors general. Now, as we know, an often complaint we hear as auditors is that oh, your reports are too lengthy, they're too complex, they can't get to the main issues. More and more audit offices are producing blog articles to really distill the key information that they have provided in their more formal reports to Parliament. Really useful, short, snappy to get the key information across and really easy to digest and read. An example of a recent one or an ongoing blog is one produced by the Queensland Audit Office in Australia. For example, a recent article discusses making urgent decisions for rapid response initiatives, and that's obviously a blog that comes out of everything happening with the pandemic. And in this particular blog the author discusses some of the key learnings and recommendations from one of their related performance audits. Right, so we've covered 11 there, so almost there. The next
0: couple we spoke about before, so we won't go into any depth. So advisory reports and research reports, we spoke about both of these as part of The previous episode on equity, but in short, an advisory report brings together information on a specific category of matters, and that's usually drawn from a range of related audits, highlighting thematic findings or risks.
1: Okay, so lucky number 13, another document produced is research reports. Now, a lot of audit offices these days do significant research, and more and more they're publishing that research. So this could be research that's conducted on a particular issue, on cross-sectoral issues or for a particular audit, but something that the office feels would be useful to be in the public domain. An example of this that we also included in our previous article on equity in PA is a research report titled Enrollment Projections in D.C. Public Schools, Controls Needed to Ensure Funding Equity. So that was published in 2020 by the Office of the District of Columbia Auditor in the U.S., Another example of this, which may also uh, fall into one of our previous categories of being an informational report, is by the Louisiana Legislative Auditor, and that was titled Louisiana State Police Comparison with Law Enforcement Agencies in Southern States. Number 14, in some countries
0: it's lucky number 14, performance reporting. So these describe different factors related to performance within the public sector, either broadly or within specific agencies. Uh, Sometimes they include performance around delivery of services. A lot of these include significant use of data as part of the quantitative evaluation of performance. Sometimes they're conducted under generally established audit standards. Sometimes the way in which they're conducted are under specifically devised standards for the audit office that is issuing that set of report to report. An example of this is produced annually by the San Jose City Auditor in the United States, and that's called the Annual Report on City Services. I'll say how the City Auditor describes it on the website. In the Annual Report, the City Auditor describes the costs, quantity, quality, timeliness, and public opinion of services provided by the city government. Uh, And they're going to say that the stated purpose is to provide an overview of city services and performance data, and that goes to several stakeholders, including the public. Really useful, really interesting. We do see performance reporting in other ways as well, but that's just one example of of how this is done.
1: And the last document we see produced by audit offices, transparency reports. So this is a relatively new initiative, we'd say, although some audit offices, a few might be doing it for a time now. So what these transparency reports are essentially is where the audit office explains their work, how they have quality reviewed their work and the results of those internal quality reviews. So again, it's a really, as the title suggests, it's a transparency measure about how they're being judged against certain quality measures and really good to sort of put that out there into the public domain, which is just another way to to engender trust within an audit office. So we're coming in to audit you, line agency or government agency. By the way, here's how we performed in terms of our own quality.
0: Okay, so that's 15 ways in which audit offices are doing different types of assurance, different types of reporting. And then we said at the top of the episode that we have one bonus, if you like, and this is policy reporting. Now, obviously, we're not going to see these very often from audit officers, possibly or probably due to the nature of audit office mandates. It could be that they will never make their way into most mandates of audit officers. But we've included them here because they may be of interest to audit officers rather necessarily than something that auditors will produce in the future. Um, they can make significant use of data, both open and confidential So again, we haven't come across many examples. The example that we're going to give here is not from an audit office division, but it is from another division within the same reporting line as the audit division in that particular jurisdiction. So this is from the City of Philadelphia Office of the Controller. And the example here is the data release. It's called the Data Release Property Assessment Accuracy. This is produced by what is a policy analysis team that sits adjacent to the audit division. And I imagine the audit division would look very closely at work that's coming out of the policy division as well. It is really interesting. It is the sort of thing that we could use as inspiration for some of the ways in which we can do our audit, particularly around determining accuracy of things like property assessments. The objectives and the outputs of those may not necessarily be in alignment with our mandates, but the methods that they use and some of the topics that they cover quite interesting and and would potentially align with audit office topics.
1: Yeah, so we've covered 15 or 16 examples there that just show the breadth of information or reports or documents prepared by audit offices and generally put into the public domain. So I think it's reasonable to say that the type and variety of information that, that is being put out by audit offices is expanding day on day, which is a good thing. And we haven't covered them all. I'm sure we've missed more than a few, but should give you some flavor as to all the good work that's going on in audit offices.
0: The blog article will be live at the same time as this podcast episode is published. So you can head there and see all 15 plus one with the relevant examples and links to those as it's produced. And we'll put a link to the blog article in the show notes as well. Great stuff. Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Yusuf. The performance audit report is produced by PA Reports the Performance Audit Research Division of Risk Insights. PA Reports helps streamline and accelerate your performance audit research, bringing to you relevant insights that can help your audit get off the ground faster.